You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bombing Well Muslim Podcast. This is Osma Jaffrey. And this is Zeba Hassan. And first of all, how are you feeling? How are your allergies? What the heck is going on with you? <laughs> uh, allergies, you know, it's just the season for us out here in the desert. Somebody lied to me. Actually, multiple people lied to me and told me that my allergies would get better if I left um, my part of the Southwest for this part of the Southwest. And they lied. Uh, they actually got worse. I've never had worse allergies. Plus we have like wonderful fungal spores out here. So I don't know which one of them I've inhaled and will be, you know, having them for the rest of my life. I'm not sure. But I did want to talk about um, adding a series on death and dying for Muslims oh next goodness. year. Okay. I think that's going to okay. be really important in sharing people's experiences of death and dying because, you know, as you know, I was out, um, uh, I think it was last week when my uncle passed mm-hmm. away and I got to say, it's one of the most beautiful deaths I've ever witnessed. Mashallah, Alhamdulillah. I was so, so happy to be a part of that process. Um, and you know, it sounds weird, happy to be a part of your loved one's dying process, but if we do it right as Muslims, I don't understand why we don't have the best deaths. What I've seen in the hospital is that we have the most violent ones. Um, and I would really, really like to see that change, not just for older well, people. What do you mean by that? By violent pe- uh, violence? Yeah, that sounds scary. Yeah, you know, people who at some point, we don't know. Doctors don't know everything, you know, because people will say that to us when we're like, there's, you know, this person is dying. They'll say, oh, well, you don't know that. You're not God. You're not Allah. It's like, yeah, that's why I'm saying they're dying because there's nothing else we can do like we have no other knowledge whatever is in the unseen is with allah let this person go death is a natural part of life we've been promised that in our quran in our scripture so what is what's so confusing for you um and then these people get you know the works uh everything that you see on tv and on tv everybody survives cpr but older adults certainly only three percent um, survive CPR. It's very, very rare. Um, anybody over 65 coming back from that, or if they do come back, are they going to have that quality of life or are they going to be cognitively the same as they were before? Chances are, but likely they're not and their quality of life is going to suck. And so that's what I call violent, um, endings because it is, it's, we're breaking people's bones. We're jumping on them. We're like, you know, forcing Mm. oxygen into them. So it's, it's an assault on a dying person. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody else. I would wish um, the death that my uncle just had on everybody who is wise enough to start planning for it. So I am going to get started on that series. I'm just so hyped for it. I'm, I'm glad you're hyped about death and dying. Uh, and I'm glad that flipped your boat, but um, I will leave that to you. <laughs> You're just like mouth open, like, I don't know what to say. I would leave that to you. Well, that's why I have to say, you know, speaking of death and dying and in my will, I literally said, you know, I don't want any of this extra measures like um, happening to me. And I I want to go as peacefully as possible. And I, I've told my kids, I've told my husband, you know, if, if it's time for me to go, I want to go as peacefully as possible. Um, so I hope that they actually listen to this. Um, I'm putting it out there in the universe as well as in my will, because the reality of the situation is I agree with you. I want, 
um, my passing when it's time to be as peaceful as possible. But, you know, I, I'm kind of don't want to be talking about this and make this kind of like this Debbie Downer or what is like, like a Muslim phrase that we can say instead of Debbie Downer, we have to come up with like a fun terminology. Aisha something. We'll, we'll come up with that. I'll, I'll think about that. Cause we're, we're diet. Aisha angst. Aisha Ang- angst. Aisha. We don't want to be angsty <laughs> Aisha. Okay. Because I want to move on into what we've been really, we've been getting some amazing feedback and some, um, awesome, awesome DMs. I was actually at a dinner last, last night and people have been listening to this series like uh, in on the edges of their seats. And who would have thought that something that I thought was boring, boring would be so informative and so interesting. So we're diving deeply this fall and in, into our September series on the importance of financial literacy especially for Muslim women. And today's guest is here to bring us some of our most important insights in, into that is our guest, Jane Carter um, Carden. She is the president and director of Saturna Capital, where she oversees Saturna's daily operation and directs its internal and external information systems, managing technology and marketing activities. Ms. Carton um, is also currently serving on the ICI Board of Governors and the chair of ICI Small Funds Committee on the SEC's Asset Management Advisory Committee and on the board of the WhatCom Business Alliance. When she isn't doing all of that, important money stuff. She enjoys her family, cooking, wildlife, and as well as international travel, fine art, and the theater. A woman after my own heart, minus the money part. Welcome, Miss Carton, to Momming Wall Muslim. We love, love, love having you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. So we like to kick off um, the podcast by asking people if they have children, tell us a little bit about your mommy story and your momming philosophy, whatever you're comfortable sharing with your kids. And if you don't have kids, um, then we ask about your mom and how her momming philosophy has colored your life. My momming philosophy. So I am mother to only one child. um, And I would say you know, the the most prevalent philosophy that I've had during his childhood has been just to treat him as an individual person with, um, with thoughts that matter and, and keeping him included, even when we're deciding what's for dinner or what color to paint the bathroom or anything like that. We, um, we definitely, have raised an opinionated child that way, but uh, I think that our relationship that. is stronger for it. I think that that's smart and you figured it out early. It took me a while to figure that out. So kudos to you. So tell us a little bit about how you got into particularly Sharia compliant halal investing. Where did that interest start for you? Um, well, actually my parents um, were were part of the original my dad, Nick Kaiser, uh, started the Amanda Income Fund and the Amanda Mutual Funds Trust with Dr. Jakob Mirza. That was back in 1986, and we've been been investing in the Amanda Funds ever since. So when I was a child, it was part of my upbringing um, and really has shaped a lot of my investment philosophies because I've seen the way that Sharia compliant investing 
works. And frankly, I think it works better than a lot of conventional um, investment philosophies. So I, you know, I, I feel like really lucky to have this as part of my upbringing and investment background. Well, this one thing that people probably are missing in this equation is, uh, is that you are not Muslim and you're very much a part of this organization as well as your family. Um, so that is something I do want to highlight right now. And um, I think that's what is making this um, collaboration with the, with your family and, and this um, and Saturna Capital so unique is that you're um, wanting to make sure that the Sharia compliant investing um, is available for Muslim um, investors, as, along with other, because uh, I'm assuming other people can also invest in this. So what was one of the reasons why your your father in 1986 was like, okay, you know, this, first of all, what is Sharia compliance? I'm pretty sure he was probably like, well, what the heck? Exactly. Um, why should I get involved in this? And why is this now passing on to the next generation with you? Um, and by the way, you as a female, which is not necessarily a traditional thing um, in and of itself, whether you're Muslim or not. And now as a non-Muslim person, a woman being involved in this. So you are very unique on all aspects. And I love that you're here to represent this. And I, I would love for you to kind of shed a little bit of the light on, on why you've decided um, to carry on your father's tradition. Yeah. So um, we were living in Indianapolis um, back in the 80s. And um, Dr. Yakub Mirza, who's chairman of the Amana Funds, uh, came into my dad's investment firm and said, do you think that a mutual fund would be a good Ooh. product for Muslim investors? And um, my dad said, I don't know. And what's really interesting is back then, one of the, the reasons for it was mm -hmm. inflation was very high. Interest rates were very high. Um, the yeah. fact that Muslim people who wanted to be compliant couldn't receive interest from these high interest rate checking accounts that other people were receiving was a big cost of being Muslim. That wasn't, wasn't really fair. Um, and so he, Dr. Mirza wanted to figure out a way to like even the playing field. And um, so he said, do you think it would work? And my dad said, I don't know. I know about mutual funds, but I don't know about, Sharia compliance. So they just work together and taught each other and have been really close friends ever since. And it turned out that like he was really onto something because yeah. a mutual fund is perfect for Muslim investors because you have to share in the gains and losses. You can avoid anything that you want to avoid. You can, um, the flexibility is fantastic. Um, and it's really a mutual product, which is, what you're looking for. And then I love it now that like, now we're coming back into these inflationary times, amount of income in the original product. It's like, Oh, maybe we should take another look at that again. And, um, these products have been successful, not just because of Muslim investors, the performance has been really great. And so that has attracted all kinds of people that are just interested in doing well. Um, and having having good performance, having solid investment philosophies, and and all of those are kind of built on this Islamic finance foundation, which is 
just a, a wonderful way to evaluate companies, you know, making sure that you have a strong balance sheet, making sure that um, the governance of the company is good. We've been looking at all of these things for way longer than they've been popular. Um, and th- a lot of that is because we're guided by these principles that are just great principles to be guided by in general, like not too much leverage and, um, treat people well, make sure that you're looking at things for the long run. So, uh, that's what has led to the outperformance, I think. Yeah. What makes you interested in that? Because I I'm super fascinated with this because first of all, it's a money thing, right? Which is not a traditional, it should be a traditional female thing, but, and, and then not only that, but, um, it's a Sharia compliant, which is, uh, halal investing, which we're going to get into a little bit later, that you as a non-Muslim are offering to the masses. Well, yes, I think that um, mutual funds are the right investment for like 99% of the population, at least probably closer to like 99.9. Um, and it's too bad that these other financial products are so hyped in the media right now um, because truthfully, they're sexy. Really, yeah. And mutual funds are probably the right thing for most people to do. Um, but then on top of that, so mutual funds are already a great product. But then on top of that, when you put the um, the screens and um, philosophies that we use in the Amana funds, it's just, it becomes an elevated product in my mind. Um, and you can... And so I, I like offering it because it's like, I know I'm offering a nutritious meal. It's, it's wonderful to, I feel so proud. And I think all of us at Saturna feel so proud of the products that we're giving people. Like you're not, you're not having to feel anything other than I'm helping and people are doing the right thing. They're sacrificing their money to invest and you're sure. And then, and then you feel good about what they're investing in. So it's just uh, a fulfilling way to um, satisfy my, my desire to be in the finance industry. So I feel really grateful um, that we're, that we're part of this whole community. I am so excited. Our dream is coming to fruition and it's only a few months away. I am inviting everybody here to join our weekend retreat. It's October 14th through the 16th, 2022. It's going to be in an urban oasis, just minutes from DC. And our whole point is for you to rediscover your identity in your current life phase because your mind, body, and your soul deserve it. So visit www.mommingwallmuslim.com forward slash retreat, and we will look for you there. I know that in the 90s, I think, no, early 2000s is when I first learned about Amanda Mutual Funds. I think it was a medical school, so I invested for the first time because I figured it's never too early, right? That's kind of what we've been learning this month is um, how early you, you start is how successful you'll be later. Um, can you kind of explain to us the relationship between Saturna and Amana? Because I think people are going to be a little bit confused about who falls under who or who's working with whom. Like, what are we supposed to call you? It is kind of confusing. Yeah. Mutual funds are part of a trust and they are a virtual company. They don't have any employees um, and they're 
they're governed by a board of directors and the board of directors chooses an advisor and the advisor is the one who um, says like, oh, we're going to buy a little bit of this stock, a little bit of this stock, you know, here's the makeup of it. This is when we're going to buy and sell. And so they, the board of trustees appoints the advisor and they've appointed Citronic Capital as advisor mm. to the Amana Mutual Funds Trust. It is kind of confusing. There's no doubt. Um but that is that is the structure. Okay. But when we're we're investing, we'll be investing in Amana. But Saturna is like the umbrella company that kind of holds everything. Is that correct? Yeah, um, it's like Amana is the product. So um, it's like Apple builds the iPhone, and you buy the iPhone. So it's kind it's kind of like. And Mana is the iPhone, let's say. My kids are actually very, very, um, they're a lot more investment savvy than I am, for instance, um, partly because their dad is obsessed. Uh, and so I was kind of t- telling them, like, guess what I'm doing? I'm talking to a lot of these people. They thought it was hilarious. Um, I was super proud of me that I'm doing this. Um, and one of the questions they were asking was, you know, we were talking about mutual funds and my husband was kind of like what you're doing, explaining to us a little bit about what the difference of a mutual fund was. But, you know, what, what, who, one, how do you make the, 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 the decision of what kind of investments the turn of capital works with and how do you determine what's halal versus not halal? That's, that's one. Um, and two, um, who who ultimately does that due diligence? So this way we kind of know like what goes into that um, decision so that we know when we are investing in you all um, that it is um, halal co- compliant. Okay. So um, every, every stock that goes into any of our funds goes through a whole process to determine its eligibility for investment in the fund. And that comes from all kinds of different ways. Like um, fundamentally, is it a good investment? Does it match the objectives of the fund? If it's a growth fund, then it needs to be a stock that we think is going to grow. If it's in uh, an income fund, it has to pay a dividend of a certain amount. Um, so those fundamentals are, are matched first. And then um, do, do we believe in the company? Do we think it's going to be a good company to partner with for ourselves and our share owners? Um, and then is it Sharia compliant? Does it have the right um, debt ratios? Is it not selling anything that's haram? I mean, you can get um, some things like you could the one example that we use all the time is an airline. An airline sells alcohol to customers, but it's less than 5% of the revenue. It's just like a, a little blip. They're just doing it, but it's not their, their primary business. So if you wanted to invest in that, you could. Um, but you could not invest in something like Costco, mm-hmm. which drives a tremendous amount of its revenue from selling That's alcohol. That's exactly right. Wow. I didn't know that about Costco. So should we be shopping there, Seva? I mean, if that's the case, then you can't shop at Target. You can't shop at Walmart. You can't shop at any place that has alcohol, right? But we're talking about investing in general, right? Like where are you putting your money so that it can grow? I feel like that's very different 
than going and purchasing something. Like you couldn't go on Amazon. You couldn't go. I mean, if that's the case, then we need to start a commune somewhere and like grow our own stuff. Like, (laughs) you know, we don't live, even in Muslim countries, right? They're selling alcohol and these types of things. We don't live that way. The reality of the situation is it's like, yeah, we just don't live like that's not the, the, the way that the world works right now. But when you are talking about wealth building, which is what we are talking about right now, it's um, what are we investing our money in? Meaning we're, we're giving money for it to grow, right? That is what we're looking at. So even for me, like we had um, a couple of gas stations. We literally refused in our gas stations to sell lottery tickets and alcohol and tobacco, Mm-hmm. And I remember everyone thought we were right. insane, literally said to us, what are you doing? That's the <laughs> primary, you know, way people make money. And we were just like, we're just not, we'd rather not make money from that um, and make money other places. And it was fine. And, you know, we ultimately ended up building it up and selling it, but that's kind of how we chose to invest our money and not invest in certain things. So I feel like this is kind of um, equivalent to that. But as far as like buying things, if we chose to use that as a prep, we literally couldn't buy things anywhere. Couldn't do anything. So, yeah. yeah. yeah but don't, so that's my like um, roundabout way of saying, please don't take away my Costco. I need my Costco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's, I think, why there's some flexibility. I mean, if you were, you're right. Like if you were absolutely 100%, um, mm-hmm. you know, zero interest, the companies could have no leverage whatsoever, you'd rule out all the companies and you would have nothing. So that's why there needs to be some flexibility. And then we have a, um, an advisor who, uh, who basically looks at everything and, and deems those securities to be whole Perfect. on top of it. So like another added layer of security. So you said that 99.9% of people should probably have uh, a mutual fund, uh, just given the stability and the returns. But can you tell us about three products that Saturno Capital offers that Muslim women should learn more about in your prospectus to help them build generational wealth? Yeah. Um, So one thing that I think everybody should know about, and I'm a big evangelist of our retirement type accounts. And those include so many different types of accounts, but the one that I'm most excited about are Mm -hmm. health savings accounts. And those, not everybody can use them, but if you have a high deductible health insurance uh, plan, which you can get if you're choosing your own insurance or if your employer offers it, um, then you can invest the money and it's triple mm. tax advantaged. It's like the only type of investment that is triple tax advantaged, which, you know, you just can't. Can you explain, Jane? I'm not trying to interrupt you, but for people that do not know what triple tax advantage yep. means, what does that mean? And can you break it down for us? Yeah. So it's, it's tax free when you put in tax deductible, when you put the money in. So when you put the money in, you reduce your taxable income. So there's like tax break number one, and then you can invest it, uh, any way that you like. And those proceeds grow tax free too. So that's tax break number two. 
And then if you use the money for medical expenses, and I mean, they are so generous with this uh, medical, like if you buy glasses, if you buy Tylenol, if you buy um, Band-Aids, it's all, that all counts. And there's no tax coming out either. So that is just a remarkable way to save and invest. And um, you can invest for the future for when you're older and you may have more significant medical expenses than you'll have this money saved up at that time. Um, which is what the idea is, but those are great accounts. Is there a limit with how much you can put in there or no? There is, but it's, it's, um, a decent amount and it's, it's higher for families than it is for individuals. So it, it's not, um, it's, it's worth maxing out if you can. Um, just like all the other kinds of retirement savings accounts. So I would say, you know, if somebody is looking to start an investment account and they don't have one yet, then an IRA, whichever Roth IRA or traditional IRA, whichever is more right for them, they're, those are such a great place to start investing and saving for the future. Um, so I'd say those, and then education savings accounts for your children are also tax advantaged accounts. And if you know you're saving for education, those are a great way to go. And I would say, you know, it's fine to start small. Like if you have an IRA, you can start with $25 and you can, you can add $25 a month and over time it will it will return something and it will be meaningful. Um, and it's just starting that discipline that is where you really want to be. It doesn't have to, you don't have to like get ready for it or, or get yourself overly prepared. It's just a matter of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get started on this and I can do 25 bucks a month and that's all I can do. If you can do more, great. But, um, you'll see over time how, how it works and um, you'll get to look at your statements and you'll understand more and more just as doing is the best way to learn. I think and sometimes just is. setting it aside and forgetting about it, um, I think is the best way to do it, right? Like if you have things automatically put in, like you said, you could start small, go ahead and have something, have it automatically taken out of your account before you even see it. Yeah. $25, $30, you don't even know it's going out and then forget about it. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, it, it yeah. adds up my kid. I, I'm starting that with my kids. They're putting it aside and they're seeing, and they don't even realize that they're doing it. And now they look and they're like, oh my gosh, I have $300. They, they get excited. I have $322 in my account. Yeah. And really <laughs> they're like putting $5 a month. I mean, it's very little, but it, it adds up every single, every single month. Yeah. And one thing too, is if you get a raise, that's a really good time to be like, okay, I've been living without this raise, which means I can continue to live without this raise. And so that's a great time to, to say, okay, I can put the extra into some sort of investment account. I did not think of that. I would have thought, oh, I can spend more now. Yay. Um, This is why I needed this series. So... (laughs) 
So Osma, I was looking at my 401k materials and getting a little overwhelmed. Oh, I know what you mean. It can look like chaos. And none of the choices were halal. It's kind of a disaster. You know about the amount of funds though, right? Wait, no. What? Well, if your plan has a brokerage option, it's likely you can choose them through that, but you can also invest directly with them. They're halal? You bet. They're the oldest and largest Islamically acceptable funds in the U.S. Sharia certified the whole deal. We want to thank Amana Funds for sponsoring this episode. Here's what you need to know. Please consider an investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. To obtain this and other important information about Amana Mutual Funds in a current prospectus or summary prospectus, please visit www.amanafunds.com or call toll-free 1-800-728-8762. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. Distributed by Saturna Brokerage Services Incorporated, member of FINRA and a wholly owned subsidiary of Saturna Capital, investment advisor to the Amana Mutual Funds. We're talking about trusts, and mm-hmm. I know that they're really important because there have been trusts that give scholarships out that we've qualified for in our past. Mm-hmm. And what I want to learn is how Muslim families can use trusts and trust building not just to gain their own wealth or to protect their own wealth, but also to support community infrastructure and planning, like do more good through trust. Can you explain how those work and how Saturna Capital may or may not help in that situation, like family setting, wanting to set up trusts or wanting to learn more about that? Um, well, Saturna can certainly help people set up trusts. And and then um, it's up to the person who opens a trust what the who who benefits from it? Is it going to be your children or a charity or um, a community? There, the trust itself can have multiple beneficiaries. It can have uh, you can you can you can define the rules if you're setting up a trust. It can be there are trusts for almost every single type of situation. So if you um, want to set something up uh, that your children will inherit not when they turn eighteen, but either when they pass medical school. Let's say you say, okay, if you don't pass medical school, you're not. You're not getting this. It'll go to the next generation. Like you can set it up any way you want. Um, and you can say, or you're going to come into it when you're 35 years old, because if something happens to me, then I want to be sure that you have gained the wisdom and maturity in order to use this money appropriately. Or you can say you could take it out earlier if it's for investment in an entrepreneurial venture or education, but not for anything else. I mean, you can, you can literally say they're your rules. You get to make them. I think those are really helpful for families who uh, wanted to find things a little differently than normal. Does it require up more assets? Well, you probably wouldn't start a trust with $25 a month, but. Yeah. Well, that's what I was, I was going to say. Um, like, you know, when our parents came here as the, in, as the, you know, the generation that came right as the immigrant generation, they were coming here to survive. They survived. We're the generation that is thriving and our gen- our children's generation is the mm-hmm. ones where we are going to be probably leaving them with the trust and this. So like this concept of 
wealth building, generational wealth building is actually a very new concept for the immigrant um, communities. And so having these types of conversations um, in education for for whether we're the females or not within our communities is very important because we are that 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 generation, that sandwich generation that's pushing pushing it forward. So I love that we're having these frank conversations um, of wealth building. So, you know, I do have um, a kid in college who's very much into finance and money and all these good things. This is possibly something he's going to be, he's going to be studying and in the interest of wealth building, what is something um, that we can, we can tell him, um, like about custodial accounts, or we can start explaining to our community right now um, what, what one, what is a custodial account, and why is this so important for our generations to to start thinking about for setting that tone for generational wealth building. So I would say one thing that's important about custodial accounts, or um, they're called unified gift to minor accounts or unified trust for minor accounts. Um, when you're thinking about those accounts, one thing that I think people should really know is the moment that the child turns 18 is at the age of majority, yeah. that money is theirs. Oh. It has nothing to do with you. You could have invested all along and they could decide to go buy a Camaro <laughs> and there's nothing. And they probably there. would at 18. It's, it's done. Um, so there are other ways that you want to, you know, think about and max out first. If you aren't already maxing out your retirement savings, you want to do that first because you can take money out of a retirement account for education without penalty. So it's like, definitely max that out first. Um, and then if you are in a position where you can invest on behalf of your child, just know that, it's their money, period, no matter what. Like, even if you take it out before they're 18, you have to take it out for something that is of benefit to them. So um, that's important too. However, it is nice for for kids to see their name on a statement and see their, their wealth growing, as you were talking about earlier. Um, so there are benefits to it, but you just need to, you just need to understand the account. Okay. Type. So you're almost more, I mean, you're, we're not, we're not telling people what to do here. This is, these are, this is an informational only podcast, right? Everyone has to make their own decisions. So <laughs> right. we, we always clarify <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but we, we have to, we have nice to disclose disclosure, that. Alex. But what, what I'm hearing from you based on the information that I've received today is you're, you're almost more advocating, um, to, to have like a, a, a like an actual uh, trust fund for the child versus this custodial account because we can put our own parameters on it where they you know things like they they have to be a mature coming of age and we're better off putting our money um, maximizing our money and other types of uh, accounts versus this custodial account because they can get that money at 18 regardless. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, there's all different kinds of ways to look at it, but yes, that's, um, I think it's important to have the right account type for the situation. And I think there's definitely, I think there's definitely times when a UGMA or a UTMA is totally the way to go. Um, 
But I just, I like reminding people like, wait, if you haven't saved for retirement. Exactly. Right. Like, like we always tell people, put your oxygen mask on first before, (laughs) before you, you put somebody else's on. Yeah. And the reality is as somebody who studies teenage cognitive brains, their brains are not developed at 18 and probably not till they're in their mid twenties. So that's just my personal opinion on all of that. So we do this thing called rapid fire where we, we, throw questions at you. All right. I'm going to set the clock for 90 seconds and whatever comes top of mind is the correct answer, Jane. This is just really good to get to know you better. Yeah. (laughs) It's not like financial questions or like any kind of board exam or anything like that, but we like to kick uh, our rapid fire off. I feel nervous. Like I feel like, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Jeopardy. So what book are you reading right now? Um, I am reading Measuring Success, which is a book about uh, how to develop KPIs for um, for my business. And then also um, a book by uh, Iqbal Yunus called How Millennials Can Lead Us Out of the Mess We're In. Um, so you kind of came into investments. It sounds like it's the family business, um, Jane, but can you tell us... Was there something else that you wanted to be when you were a kid, when you grew up? Um, yeah, for a long time, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician, and um, then I and then I um, wanted to be a computer science person. I started an internet service provider um, and did a bunch of web development and that kind of thing. So I have a like a science background. So if you could eat one dish three times a day for the rest of your life, what would it be? And oh my why? gosh. I don't know. I mean, I want to say chocolate, but the thing is I would get so sick of it. Um, so now I feel like it would have to be something somewhat nutritious yeah. if I was really going to go for it three times a day. Um, I don't know. Like maybe like a cliff bar or something that's like a complete meal. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of people say like pizza or mac and cheese or, you know, I think we've had chicken because chicken. chicken is nutritious or, you know, baked chicken. I would do baked chicken. Yeah. Nutritious. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Last question before we stop. Um, if you could win uh, a medal for any Olympic sport, real or fake, what would it be? I am not athletic. So if I won any gold medal, I would be so proud, even if it was like the lamest sport in the world. Um, (laughs) So then I guess I would just like go for the, go for the hardest one. Like probably if I could win a gold medal for the ski aerobatics, I mean, like who can do that? Thank you so much, Jane, for providing the financial literacy and like actually giving us you know, homework to go look up and talk to our partners and our families about um, to see what products are available. And uh, why don't you tell people how they can get the Saturna Prospectus? Yeah. So if you look at amanamutualfunds.com or saturna.com, you can uh, get to all of our product information. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I really like your podcast. I'll continue to listen to it. I think that you guys are really have a fantastic show. And um, I like it that you're willing to address difficult topics. And I think that that is something to be really proud of. So thanks for having me. I'm proud to have been on your show. Thank you. We, we love, we loved having you and thanks, thank you so me much. Lot. <laughs> 
Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.